everyone, this is Anthony Grants, and I want to introduce you all to this podcast. It's called Superstar PR, and it's all about entertainment insider chats with Nikki, the founder of the PR agency, Nikki Inc. This podcast chats with some serious entertainers and media insiders, always choosing people who are making a difference in the entertainment world and who have cool stories to share. Happy listening. Hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome to Superstar PR. It's been a while since we've recorded, but I've heard from all of you that you want this. Today, I've got a really cool guest, and I'm going to let him introduce himself because you you might know who he is. Perhaps you've seen me on such famous shows as City News Tonight at 11, Breakfast Television, CTV News, and a host of radio stations I've lost all track of. Yeah, Roger Peterson. And uh, I haven't had my hair this long since 1997 when I was in rock radio down in Detroit. Morning. It's great. Afternoon. What time is it? Does it matter? It's a podcast. <laughs> Listen, I like the hair. Don't cut it. I call it COVID hair, but some people are really pulling it off. It's, I, it, I can't lie. It's kind of fun. You know, everyone's like, get a haircut. I'm like, why? I'm having some fun with it. And what else are you supposed to do? My poor, my poor, now my poor salon, my hairdresser, right? Because it's a hairdresser. That's, you know, it's like marriage, right? I, I, I've been with him longer than I was with my wife and uh, my son's mother. She's now my son's mother. So that's, it's a nice way to say it. But yeah, I've been, I've been with him longer than anybody. 20 years. The support Ted's, I don't know how he's going to retire. Don't you have loyalty to your, uh, your stylist? I do, but my last two hairstylists got famous and they went to LA and now I'm just like, my hair keeps growing and I have to learn how to cut it myself until I interview <laughs> someone else. You know, like this is rough. <laughs> just let it go. Let it go. I'm gonna, Roger, let it, let it go. Let my hair go and see what happens. Um, okay, so let's talk about your really cool career, okay? Uh, how did it happen to you? How did you get into journalism? Oh, my. Like, see, those are, that's one of those things you're, you're, you're supposed to have this glorious story, but it's always been your calling, and you, you loved it since you were four. Uh, I, I, struggled through, I, won't, I struggled through high school. I have ADHD, and high school was an absolute. I barely got out of it. I was supposed to go to Guelph for university and um, my marks had dropped so much because I was just wandering and lost that I had uh, rescinded. So I went, I went back to school. I went back to high school for a semester, went to York. And as I like to say, I was taking biology at York. I remember chatting with a guy who, uh, one of our TAs, and he'd been studying one bat in Africa. And I thought, oh my God, I, I couldn't do that. I, it, it just, you know, it, it, it wasn't me. And so York and I cut a deal where I don't come back and they don't invite me back. Right. I think that's the nicest way I can put it. And I stumbled on uh, Seneca College, uh, a guy I was working with who were lifeguards at the, the Holiday in Yorkdale. And he was taking radio and television at Seneca. And I thought, wow, that sounds kind of cool. And I applied for it. And there was, you know, 400 people who applied. And I thought, I'm never going to get in. And then I got in and I'm like, what were the other people like that if I got in? And I have had uh, some amazing people along the way who have helped me with my career. Um, I don't know how long you've got. I could give shout outs to all of them because they're, you know, if you, you, it's so, I, I guess at the time I didn't realize they were mentors, but that's what they really were, right? Um, I, I didn't think of the word at the time, but there were people who helped guide me and helped me in my career. And they're uh, amazing people. Ron Lowe, who passed away, uh, he was a Seneca teacher. There were other great teachers there, but he really stands out. He helped me get my first job at Chum. Uh, Brian Thomas, who was news director at Chum Radio. Uh, I still have notes from him. Uh, critiquing my newscasts and it was on his own letterhead he was a very formal p- proper man and uh, but he was he made all the difference 
in helping me make the, you know, the next step. And then Richard Maxwell, who I was working with on the weekends there, he's the anchor and he was amazing. He helped me with so many things. Uh, Janice Richmond in, in, uh, in uh, really my first radio job when I got hired there, she saved my butt because the GM who had been working in major markets and he came and says, who is that? And she said, he's new. He's never been on air. He says, boy, he's terrible. And she said, we're paying him this. <laughs> and he said, oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Gosh. Okay. So you've had the mentors and would you say that it was the people who really made you love this, this career? It's this, this industry is filled with amazing people. There are some crazy people too. Um, but it, you, what, what I love about this um, it, are things like this. You're doing interviews, right? You're getting, you're getting to meet new people and learn new things almost every day with it. And we're incredibly spoiled. And I, I hope to be back in it. I mean, right now taking a bit of a break, but I hope to be back in it because it, it, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. And to be able to share the knowledge, the experience of whoever you're talking to uh, and to be able to share that with other people and, and draw their story out properly and, and, and hear their story and hear what they have to say and hopefully bring about change too. Like it, it's, it's, it's a good soapbox to be able to stand on. Absolutely. That's, I've never heard anybody call it a soapbox. I mean, I've talked to journalists and I find you guys interesting because you've got a huge little encyclopedia in your minds of moments. Yeah. And I guess the moments that I, I, what is your moment? Like when you look back and you think, oh my God, that was ridiculous, but it makes you chuckle. Do you have a ridiculous moment that you could share with us that stays with you? There's one or two. We'll go. Okay. Embarrassing. There's been a few. Um, every every uh, reporter anchor usually has a word that hangs them up. If you ask any of them, there'll be a word, no matter what, they'll go over it and they'll go over it and they'll go over it. And as soon as it shows up in the teleprompter, um, I, I've had a couple in, in my career, like rosacea hung me out a couple of times. I can finally say it. And Attawapiskat um, was another difficult one. And, you know, and they would deliberately put those in, in because they knew I struggled with them. Uh, in radio, probably my favorite embarrassing moment and it was completely unintentional. I was, I was working the morning show in Detroit and the U.S. Open was there, the golf tournament. And, and it, I, I would write the script and then I would ad lib. And so I'd written the first threesome was teeing off just about now. And it was like seven o'clock in the morning. And, and I thought, oh, I'll ad lib it. What do you do on a golf course? You whack a ball around, right? So, so I, right at seven o'clock, first story. And the first threesome is whacking off at the U.S. Open right now. Oh, Lord. And, and I didn't catch it until I looked across the board to uh, Jeff Zippy Crow, and I won't say where he got his name from. Um, is He's got his head down on the table, and all I see is his head going up and down. He's laughing so hard. And then it clicked in what I had said. And so he then gets up and leaves because he's laughing. And so I have to try and finish. And I've just, I'm, I'm laughing through the entire newscast because now it's clicked in. And my boss came in afterwards. He says, I nearly drove off the road when I heard it. And I said, it was not. on. That was an oops. It happens. I mean, it's, it's radio, it's TV. You know, we've had, I don't know how many times I had a guy with a canoe head walk by and I'm, I was watching him and all of a sudden I hear my cameraman yelling, you're up. I was in this camera, this canoe guy wearing a foam canoe, just walked right in front of us in a live shot. And I was so, I was so fascinated by him. I literally just walked him and it kind of was off, off to the side of the camera. And I finally hear my cameraman yelling, you're up. Things happen. I mean, when you're doing it every day, day in, day out, 
every, as much as everybody strives for perfection, there are so many little pieces here and there that, you know, it goes, one of them goes like this, and then the wheels come off sometimes. And then, and the big thing is how easily you pull the wheels back together, right? And Detroit, um, I really like Detroit. I love it. I, uh, I spent, I went down to, it was the, it was, uh, and it's sad actually, just because uh, there were just massive layoffs down there uh, with everything that's going on in the media right now. Um, radio, it was called Radio 4. When I went down, they had four radio stations, including uh, the AM 800, 89X, 93.9 The River, and uh, CKLW. And uh, I would do the morning news for the, the two FM stations. So modern 89X, which flipped to country, sadly, it was like one of the first alternative rock radio stations in the world. Uh, there was an incredible crew when I was there in the mid nineties. And, um, and to see that flip is really sad, but uh, it was amazing. I went down there thinking I'm gonna stay a year because I'm gonna try and get, you know, get some more experience and, and then get, try and come back to Toronto. I stayed for five. Uh, and I, I went thinking Windsor's a terrible place and Detroit's uh, an S, you know, it's a mess. I left there. I love both those places. Windsor has a heart of gold. Um, they care so much about each other in that community. And Detroit, uh, as much as the horrible struggles they face there, like it's, it's difficult down there. Uh, the music that comes out of there is beautiful and the people are wonderful. And I had an absolute, had my mind, you know, flip 180. And had an incredible time. The music down there, because we were working for these uh, alternative rock, and a uh, uh, the river was a an adult alternative. And so some of the bands I got to see that were just up and coming in small venues, and then all of a sudden six months later they're playing stadiums and stuff like that. You know, back in the time, Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, Dave Matthews. You know, those 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 massive mid '90s bands. We'd see them at small venues. So it was an incredible. And I worked with absolutely amazing people down there. Well, you know, and I, I remember uh, my first time in Detroit was at a hockey game and I was partially afraid because I saw all these cars on the highway. They weren't being driven, but then I saw gorgeous buildings, mm -hmm. beautiful architecture. And I thought, you know, imagine this uh, when it was once so lively. Yeah. That's I mean, that's, yeah, that's, sorry. I love the architect because that city came up in the twenties and thirties and forties some beautiful art, de art deco architecture. And then you'd see, you know, when I was there in the mid nineties and it got even worse and now it's starting to bounce back, which is great. Um, the Cadillac building and the uh, train station were the two kind of iconic 20 story buildings abandoned. Yeah. And, you know, you'd go by and look at that and think there were beautiful buildings and they're abandoned. And now though, they've both been reclaimed and they've been restored. And so it's great. I love seeing that city come back. I, I my heart's there. Stunning. Okay. Okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like Detroit and Windsor. I had a great time down there. Thank you for that. Um, okay. So let me ask you, because you've, you've worked on radio, you've worked on TV. Um, do you have a best interview moment or somebody who shocked you? Like you interviewed them, you met them, but then when you were done, you were a much bigger fan. Um, oh my goodness. You know what? BT was amazing for that. Uh, in the two years, like the, the people I had a chance to interview, you know, uh, Danny DeVito was absolutely he was so lovely you know like you just loved him from the get-go so you know it was great to meet him um eddie shack like just some interviews that'll come to mind eddie shack what started out was supposed to be like a two-minute interview and carried on for nine minutes because the man was such a raconteur and entertain and, and sadly missed he just passed away um but such an entertainer and i mean that's what he was called and 
he, the interview ended up, we, I think it carried for like nine minutes. It carried on into the start of this. Like we started at 6.50 and into the show. He just walked over with me to the rest of the group and we continued, he continued the interview. He did. We had no choice anymore at that time. Um, but I've also, I've had, you know, the, the, the lovely thing that I loved about that and any other time is when you can sit down with people um, in the community and, and bring out their stories. Uh, there was a, a young girl who was working, she was in the, she was a, a child laborer in, uh, I'm trying to remember the details, because uh, it, I think it was Pakistan, and she's now this advocate for helping them. She came on and she, her, she started to talk. She was so well-spoken for someone her age, what she had gone through. And everybody in the building, we just, again, it just, what was supposed to be a three minute interview went for six and seven minutes. Calm was her last name, but her first name is eluding me right now. I apologize. Um, for, she probably went, went eight minutes and it was just incredible listening to her story and hearing her story uh, that everybody was just locked in on what she was saying. You know, those are the moments that are highlights. I mean, I've had some incredible experiences, like that personal experience, you get to do things, but, uh, that probably is a highlight from BT and, um, Steve Earl. I'm a huge Steve Earl fan. And I got to interview him. I'm like sitting there. I was totally fanboy. I'm like, you're Steve Earl. I should ask you questions, but you're Steve Earl. So it's, it's, it's great. Um, and, you know, we've, I've covered, I covered the World Youth Day uh, the, when the Pope visited in, two, when was that now? 2002? I've lost track of what year that was. Uh, we, from all that week, I went from his arrival, I was at the airport for his arrival, um, through, all through the week, and then that, that Sunday mass at Downsview where there was a half million people, and to walk into that place and look out and see this, you know, and, and it, it gives you an appreciate. I'm not, I'm not very religious, um, not even close to being very religious, but it gives you an appreciation uh, of, of what it gives people. And it was an absolute amazing thing to see and to talk to some of these pilgrims that were there. And then the next, uh, I believe the next year, it was a uh, Downsview with Sarstock, was, a, was the SARS concert with the Stones and ACDC. And you know, we were there from the night before, we were there for two days, camped out, we had an RV, and I actually got to see some of the show, but uh, to watch that again, we got there at seven o'clock in the morning, there was no one there. And then by nine o'clock at night, there was 500,000 people there, you know, just to watch. And I'd taken pictures and you just watch the crowd grow and grow and grow through the day. But to be a part of that and experience, that was amazing. That, that sounds like really fun. Okay. So, you know, lessons learned along the way. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Do you have like ones that stand out for you that you think the next generation might need to hear? The basic one in TV is if you see yourself, start talking. If you hear yourself, stop talking. Those two things hopefully will get you out of trouble most times. Um, it's uh, okay. always have your earpiece in and I, I'm you know, I'd be guilty of not having it in. Always have it in because when you hear yourself, you might be saying something that you don't want other people to hear. And so it it's always good advice to have. Um, always though, when you're going to do an interview, I, I would do research um, to do the interview, obviously, but try not to have any preconceived notions about what you want from the interview. Uh, you know, see where it goes. You have to have a, you have to have um, the background for it, and you have to know about who you're going to talk to or what you're going to talk about. Um, but listen to the person, you know, and respond to what they're saying, where they're going. 
and let them to a degree, I want to say lead the interview, but not entirely lead the interview. Because it's their story that you're trying to get out. It's not you trying to be brilliant. It's their story you're trying to get out. And you really, I, I think that's a big thing is to be able to listen to who what, what they're saying and go with it. Because you can see sometimes when people are, you know, they'll, they'll, this person will say something absolutely incredible that you should continue on with. They'll really explain that. And so they'll go, and next question. And then they go to the next question, right? Oh, that's good. Oh, that's really good advice. I mean, with podcasts, um, I think my first, my first podcast ever, I was so nervous, almost threw up because I, I went straight to my hero and I was like, don't do that. Don't. Who's your hero? Well, now I'm embarrassed. I can't say it. Oh, come on. Who's your hero? There's nothing wrong with heroes. Okay. So I was super nervous about interviewing Tiffany Pratt, who's on HGTV because she's an interior designer who's like a love bug. And yeah, yeah. I emailed her, I was in labor and I wrote, I love you. Can I interview you? Can you imagine if I said that to you, Roger? Like you'd be like, who's this weirdo? But I was ah. leaving in labor pains, calling my husband. <laughs> saying, I think I just did something crazy. I invited Tiffany Pride to an interview by saying, I love you, but now I have to go have a baby. <laughs> yeah, but you have to think about, you know what? But she probably understood that, appreciated it, you know, because she probably gets all these formal, boring interview requests. And this was a little out there. And, but that, you know, I don't know if I'd recommend doing that to the prime minister or, you know, but for, for somebody like that, I bet you she laughed and said, for sure. She came. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she came for an interview. See? Who, if that, if Tiffany's my kind of the interview that made me nervous, what's the interview that you did that kind of maybe left you a little, or made you nervous? Like Steve Earle that I was talking about was one, because I, I totally, I just, I think he's a great writer and musician um, and incredible and underrated. And his, and his story is just insane. Like what he's gone through in his life. He's gone through all kinds of really rough roads uh, and he doesn't hide it. Well, Copperhead Road was his big hit in the, in the 80s. <laughs> okay, kids, look that one up. Uh, you know, he's a kind of, he's a folk country rock uh, storyteller, but he tells stories. And he has a new album. Well, it's not even so new anymore. It's probably a year and a half. Uh, guy, and it's about and it's he does covers of, of Guy Clark, who was a, a really well known country singer who he hung out with when he was seventeen. So he was one of my fans. Like that was definitely it. Um, but I had a like I had a I loved probably had a crush. May still have a crush on Sarah McLaughlin. Ooh. Yeah, and I got I got to I got to I saw her for the first time down in Detroit just as she was starting to break, and. Um, and her voice, her live stuff sounded better than her album, right? Like, and so it's totally just, she's amazing. Uh, and so like I, my, a friend of mine at the time was working for a record company, got me front row seats for Lilith Fair. So dead center, front row, there's two guys at Lilith Fair, you know, my buddy and, my buddy and I, and I'm sure <laughs> the 99% that were women are looking here and going, what the hell is that? So uh, I would love to, I've never had a chance to interview her. I did meet her once down in Detroit and my, it was after the Lilith there, we were doing a meet and greet with her and she was, she walks up and my buddy literally had to like elbow me. And I kind of just went, ah, 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 picture, ah, ah, and that was it. And I just, uh, I couldn't say a word to her. I was so, oh my gosh, that's Sarah McLaughlin. Okay, listen, if I ever get her as a podcast guest, we're going to co-interview, okay? Oh my God, yes. Okay, done. We're going to do it. I'm going to remember that you're a huge fan because I might get nervous in this case and then you can you can own it. <laughs> I would love to. No, I, I, I just, 
I just, for whatever reason, she's the one that makes you total. She just makes me totally like an idiot. <laughs> I like it. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I mean, like, um, Oh no, what happens? Yeah. No. Cause I think, I think I, I, you know, were you prepared? Like, did you know you'd be nervous? Cause I was shocked that I was nervous to interview Tiffany. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, you get nervous at times. Like the, the, and it's always the first time, you know, and then you, once you've gotten over it, it come, you know, we, we had the prime minister on uh, a couple of years ago and that was, you know, we've, we've had the debates there. We've had the, we've had the leaders through, we've had, but to have the prime minister sitting there with us and, you know, and everybody, all the sweep they've done and everything to check everything. And then you're like, it's the prime minister, you know, and that, that was, that was pretty intense. And then you're like, okay, we're just, we're now having a conversation again, but that was, that was nervous. But yeah, Sarah McLaughlin was like fanboy nervous. Okay. Fanboy. I like that. Fanboy. Okay. Um, my last question is lunch with anyone dead or alive. Who would it be? Hmm. Alive, Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> uh, wow, historic. I mean, if you could have, see, what kind of lunch are we talking about here? Are we talking a serious, if we're talking a serious lunch, uh, some major no. historical figure. No, no. It's not a serious lunch. It could be Elvis. Oh, well, that'd be awesome. Well, I've already got Sarah McLaughlin. Elvis would be neat though. Okay. Like. Just to kind of get in that man's head and try and figure it out. Uh, imagine somebody like Oscar Wilde. Yeah. Like, what a conversation you'd have with him. Yeah. You know, yeah. he would just be, I think that would be a, a fabulous conversation uh, for like just a fun, if you, like, you could have Oscar Wilde, Groucho Marx, uh, Stan, Laurel and Stan, because you need to have a lighthearted thing. Yes. Who else? Yeah, but no, Sarah McLaughlin would be my living one. Because we've had, to, you know, the joy is I've had a chance to interview so many people, and it's it's wonderful. Um, living or dead? Who else dead? What are we at for? Are we doing a dinner, or are we just doing one person? Well, listen, if you want a dinner, yeah. Well, we could start at lunch, afternoon cocktails, go to dinner, and then uh, and then evening uh, an evening aperitif to finish it off. I get it. I get how you're thinking. <laughs> More time. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, I mean, for like you know anybody. You know, Winston, any historic, major historical figure uh, in in certain times, uh, it would be interesting to talk to, you know, because you, you just, the pressures and the decisions they were having to make and what, for a, a more serious conversation, you know, somebody like Winston Churchill and what they were facing at the time and what they were going through, you know, they were, he was, and he managed to rise to the occasion. And where do you find that from? You know, that, it, because you know that they're scared, but they just hide it so well. And then you, you become who you, you know, it's that fake it till you make it. Right. Oh, see, I wasn't going to ask you this, but this is kind of a question I like to ask anybody when I'm picking their brain, but how do you, and right, during COVID, I don't ask this question because I feel like we've overexhausted the topic, but yeah. when I say to you resilience, what comes to mind? Uh, the <laughs> resilience within your career. Um, and it's a tough, I mean, it's a tough time right now with, uh, in my industry, um, resilience is being able to ignore one of the best pieces of advice my Ron Lowe my uh, teacher gave me at Seneca was when you're trying to get that first job and it's always the hardest job to get is your first job uh, you're going to get and, and, I, and I did because you're applying to everywhere dozens of rejection letters but they don't matter it's the one that says hey you know we want it so yeah resilience is the ability to continue on no, you know, no matter the adversity you're facing, I, I, I look, I graduated with 45 people in my industry, uh, 45 people in my year. And I think I'm the only one who's still working in it. 
So I'm either stupid <laughs> and don't know when to quit, or you just have the resilience, resiliency to keep going. And, and if it's worth, and if you love what you're doing and you love it, it's worth sticking with it. Right. And, and cause there's been, I, there's been crap times. I, mean, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on your podcast, but there, you know, every industry and every job has its mind. There's grinds. I've worked terrible shifts. I, you know, I, I've had I, weekends, I've worked nights, um, Early mornings are exhausting, uh, but, you know, but the job itself was, was wonderful, right? When you say it, early mornings, just give our listeners an idea of how early we're talking. Uh, up between 3 and 3.30 in, in for work, five, anywhere between 4 and 5, depending on, depending on which, where it was and what it was going on. Wow. Uh, BT with mornings, I was up 3.30 every day and in for 4.30. Wow. And, oh. and, more, and morning radio, I was in for 4.00. Uh, but it was easier because half the time you didn't shower and you could look hungover and it didn't matter. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Roger, I feel like we're going to have you on Superstar PR again because um, these are like little conversations we have a moment in time where we pause, we chat with people and then we follow up in like a year and you tell us, okay, here's what I think now. My best interview has changed. But Thank you for being on Superstar PR. And can you tell our listeners where they could kind of follow you along? I think I follow you on Instagram and you've got a cool Instagram account. I have lots of birds and birds and dog photos right now because we've got a new puppy. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I love traveling, but of course, traveling's on hold right now. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, it's a mix. Boat, a sail. Um, if you love sailing, if you love the water. Yeah, can we I, talk I, about I try and post for a second? You, you, were, um, you were sailing and it looked scary. Was it scary? Well, define scary. No, I don't know. I was kind of like, I don't want to be there right now. What's you know what? It's it, 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 it's like it's like doing that first interview. It's kind of scary because you're not sure what you're doing. But when you've done it enough, um, like I, I do a couple of where I know we're going off on a tangent, but I, 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 I've done regularly this uh, long distance race on Lake Ontario. And you get times when you're in the middle of storms. But if you're confident in who you're with on the boat, which I am, I, my, my, I know my friends who come with me and they're good sailors. Uh, and if you're confident in the boat and you're doing the right things, actually the middle of a storm isn't as frightening as you would think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, the legitimate concern is lightning, you know, there, cause you got a big, you got a big aluminum mast standing, sitting there going, Oh, hit me, hit me. But the weathering the storm itself, if you've done everything right and are doing everything right, it, you can actually, it, it actually becomes kind of, it's a challenge. It's very exhilarating. I can't lie. Really? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever gone tobogganing? I, I live, I live in Cabbage Town. I'm literally right at the hill at Cabbage Town. Okay. There you go. I'll leave you with that. Try that one. You know what you want to do? Go, go do the luge. That'll scare, or not the, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the bobsled. I did the bobsled in Calgary. I'm pointing at you and you can't see it. Sorry. <laughs> um, I did the bobsled run in Calgary. I halfway through 30 seconds in, I'm like, I want this to end now. That was unnerving and discombobulating. Really? Well, yeah. I, I fully, um, I took my little ones to a hill they, when they were tired of the hill. I looked at my husband. I said, mama's got to go down. Mama finds this so fun. I had so much fun going down the hill and my two were so unimpressed. <laughs> See, sailing is like tobogganing, but for 10 hours. <laughs> wow. Okay, listen, I kind of, um, the publicist in me wants to tell you to start a YouTube channel so that when you sail, you can post kind of the story, more of the story, because it's very scary to me when I just see a storm around you and you're on Instagram. But 
that's just like a PS. Maybe you should start a YouTube channel. All right, I'll start one for uh, this for this summer. It was hard this summer. This last summer was such. I mean, what a ter it was a strange, weird time, mm -hmm. right? it's been so difficult for everybody and the stress is starting to show with a lot of people. So hopefully a little laugh right now. You need a little levity too. I mean, we forget that sometimes, you know, because we've done everything that's happened in the last year has been incredibly serious uh, and not, you know, not to take that lightly, but it, it, it's okay to be able to laugh too. Like we have to yeah. remember that. I think that now, you know, when everyone is down and out together, all you can do is laugh because yeah. you get better. This too shall pass. And absolutely really just figuring it out now um i you know and someone said to me how do you know the day has changed and i started laughing because my computer got stuck telling me it was groundhog day yeah yeah and i was like i know did it really get stuck <laughs> it for like 72 hours and i was like this is cruel and unusual punishment i know oh i know but it's also hopefully a time to reflect right i mean you know like not going out, not being distracted by, and we love those things. You know, I love movies. I miss going to a theater. I have a, you know, I have a big TV, but I love being in a theater because I love, if the movie is worth it, it's great sharing it with, with a full crowd. You know, just that feeling, right? We miss all those things. We miss live music. Um, but maybe, you know, this is a time, do a little thinking, a little reflecting, figure out what you want for the next, you know, you've got this moment to figure out what's next for the next 10 years, five years, maybe only just this year. Yeah. You know, right. live intentionally yeah. by, by your own design, because something I can tell you um, I've learned just about life is it's when we stop making plans, that some of the most fun starts happening. Stumbling into my career was serendipity. I happen to work, you know, like I said, I happen to work with a guy as a lifeguard at the Holiday Inn. And that's how my career started. That's cool. Right. You know, sometimes when you open yourself up to ADHD is great for that, by the way. <laughs> we, like, we, I am open. We find the best trouble, like there's no tomorrow. The problem is sometimes you got to figure out when to come back from the trouble, and that's the problem. But uh, no, but it, it is. If you're open to new experiences and not afraid of that, you can go in a direction. And it's and it's scary. I, I I'm facing. I'm trying to figure out what's next, and in an industry that's being decimated right now. So it's I you know I I have my days where I'm like, what the am I doing, and what's next. And, you know, slowly you start chipping away and things start shaping and formulating and uh, you'll, you, you go where you're going to go. And then you start a YouTube channel. And then I start a YouTube channel. And it becomes a really big deal. All right, deal. And I know somebody who can promote it for me too. Right here. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Superstar PR. New episodes are available every other Friday. And you know, we would love your feedback. So please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And be sure to subscribe to Superstar PR on your favorite streaming service and visit www.nikkiinc.ca to sign up for podcast alerts and notifications. Thank you so much for listening.